Can we just give God just a hand clap of praise and thank him for what he's done? Man, last weekend was absolutely fantastic with what God did. Things that I heard from people as I was able to have conversations with individuals, people that got baptized, people that were moved right there in the moment that wanted to get baptized, people that uh, made some serious decisions that I believe impacted and caused a shift in eternity as a result of those decisions. Last week was a powerful weekend, and we're grateful for it. We know that God did some amazing things. And I want to spend a little bit of time before I get into my sermon this morning just giving you a little bit of an update because of these awesome things God has done and the things that God has put in front of us that we're going to step into in faith that we're going to do as a church family together. And first I want to talk about Easter for just a second. Not only did we see 13 people baptized, but we also saw our biggest attendance that weekend that we've ever had in Word of Grace's history. Um, we had 818 people attend church that weekend. And um, that's just absolutely fantastic. And then online, uh, which we didn't have before uh, last year, and uh, with the online attendance, we had over uh, 2 to 250, somewhere in that range, uh, that uh, attended uh, the majority of the service. It's kind of hard to tell because you can see people jump on, jump off, and things like that. We had over a thousand sets of eyes watch the service. Just we, we could best figure about 250 or 300, you know, somewhere in that range probably stuck around for the majority of the service. The good news about that is that over a thousand people between the 818 that were physically here in the building and the over 200 that watched online, over a thousand people heard the gospel this past weekend very clearly, and they saw illustrated what Christ did for them on the cross in a very clear way, and we don't know what all has been affected and impacted as far as eternity is concerned in light of the gospel being shared last weekend. So thank you to everyone who helped to make that happen. We had a third service, and we normally don't do that at Word of Grace, so it took a little bit of extra work and planning and some things that we needed to arrange to pull off. So for those of you who helped make that happen, thank you so much. Those of you who were here, we're glad that you were here worshiping with God with your church family, and God's just done some really special things. Now I want to move into some of the things that we've been working on as a church, and I want to just give you an update because I want to keep you in the loop with what we're uh, doing as a leadership team and what God has been putting on our heart moving forward and some uh, vision pieces moving forward that God has uh, shown us that we need to start stepping into and working on. Uh, as a lot of you may know, if you've been around Word of Grace for a little while, part of the vision of us putting the live stream together, the, part of the original intent was to uh, expand into help hurting churches, plant satellite campuses, and then also to get into our local jails and prisons and also into nursing homes. And we shared that vision with you before, and I just want to give you an update on where we're at with that since we've launched our live stream. It's been going great. We have over a thousand views on that every single week, so it's been absolutely fantastic what God has done through the live stream. But now we're ready to start putting some legs to getting into the jails and nursing homes and looking down the road with what God wants to do with that resource. So I went to the jail and actually met with the chaplain and took a tour of the jail facility. And I went and toured it and uh, saw where we would be meeting and all these different things. And there's been a team that's been uh, put together of people that are going to uh, put a presentation together to go to the sheriff. So that's the next step because the sheriff has to approve what we want to come in there and do. So not only do we want to pipe in our live stream, but we want to be there physically as well. We want to bring our volunteer structure of team 
same walk. And we want to bring our community groups into the jail as well to do life with those people. And we also want to minister to their families who are on the outside while they're incarcerated. And so it's going to take a lot of people to make this thing happen. People who have a passion and a care uh, for people that may be in that situation. And so that's the next step in this deal. And if you're interested in helping with our jail and prison ministry, it is beginning to become a reality very soon. And so we're beginning to take some of those initial steps now. And if that's on your heart, and if you want to be involved with that, there's a sign-up sheet at the Team Wog Hub, which is right by guest services. You can just go over there, sign up on that sheet, and just let me know that you're interested. And someone will contact you regarding a next step to get involved in helping to plan and put together uh, so we can launch strong to do our jail ministry. Now, we're going to focus on uh, launching that jail ministry first, and then once that gets up and running and gets going really well, then we'll begin to shift our focus over to developing and building the nursing home uh, ministry as well. So just so you kind of know a progression, I just want to communicate to you and let you know where we're at on those things um, as well. So it's really important that you understand that. Also, I announced to the church early this year that we were doing a search for a worship pastor, that we were initiating that search, and I haven't updated you in a while, and quite frankly, because there haven't been any updates. Uh, we hired a consulting firm to help us with the search and to help us identify who we actually needed and things like that. We just heard back from them and we set up a meeting. It was a pretty much an all-day thing this past Thursday where we reviewed seven candidates that are qualified to meet the criteria of what we're looking for as well as seven people who want to be here as well. So now it's just between us to connect to the ones that we're most interested in. We've identified three out of the seven that we're really interested in, and we're praying about that. I've actually contacted one of them already, and Pastor Keith has contacted one of them, and I spent over two hours on the phone with them uh, just yesterday. And uh, it was a wonderful conversation, very encouraging, but as we have more information, I'll share it with you, and I'll let you know where we're at in the process. But I did want you to know that there is something happening there. So just to give you things for you to be praying about, things for you to be, uh, uh, you know, maybe even uh, getting involved with if there's an opportunity for those things as well. But please be praying about the jail ministry as well as uh, our, our search for our worship uh, leader candidate there. Now, when we look at what God did this Easter, we identified something that we've known for a long time and we've actually been praying about, you know, is that we have to make room in order to reach more people. Um, and we're grateful for uh, the facility that we have, for the uh, fact that we're um, out of debt with our facility. We don't owe any money on our facility. That's a great spot for us to be in. We've been out of debt on this facility since May of 2015. And we never stopped making a building payment, though. We just started making that building payment to ourselves in a separate account that we called WOG Forward. So we were still prioritizing those finances because we knew eventually there would come opportunity and we wanted to be able to make those decisions uh, with a strong cash position as a church. And so because we know God's calling us to make room and asking us to trust him with bigger things, we have uh, decided that we want to make some developments further in this property and make some investments in this property because one of the things we really value at Word of Grace is instead of us building a new $10 million facility, we value the relationships that we have here at church and we want people to be in those relationships where they can be connected. And so we recently just purchased 857 Buffalo Street. We own that property now. So it's really cool. Uh, 
the church owns that property. So we're very excited, that property there in the red, right there in front of the church. Because how many of you guys have had parking issues at church? Uh, maybe once or twice. I can tell by your kind, gentle, gracious laughter that that's uh, your way of saying, <laughs> yes, we have. Well, not only have you had parking issues, but listen, here's, here's the more important piece rather than our convenience, is that we've heard stories through emails, phone calls, as well as friends of others who have been invited to come to church here and they kept on driving on a Sunday morning because they felt like there was not a space for them. They felt like there was no room because they were like, wow, I couldn't find a place to park. So they just kept on driving someone that would have stopped in and perhaps visited our church. And we want to communicate to them, listen, we're intentionally making room for you. We are thinking about you. And so we want to make sure that we have room to be able to reach more people for Christ because there's more room in our building. We just don't have the appropriate parking spots for, uh, the, the, for a church because this parking lot was originally for a grocery store. That's what this building used to be. And so it wasn't thought about to be a church one day. So therefore, they didn't need the parking that a church would need. So that's what we're going to do. And um, my hope would be that we would be breaking ground uh, on this project to actually begin work on the parking lot in, uh, uh, in 2020, that we would begin working on this in 2020, but we have acquired it, we own it. In the meantime, we're going to be looking to put a tenant in the home temporarily, maybe even our new worship person, who knows. Um, so there's just some options for us there on the table, but I wanted to let you know that we have uh, acquired that property. Now, the, the other thing that we've recognized with our facility would kind of be uh, that not only do we need to expand this parking lot, which you can show them the next slide uh, to expand that parking lot. So you kind of get how much uh, space we would gain. Probably about 40 to 50 stalls is what we're uh, seeing uh, as a gain there in the parking lot, as well as we just need to resurface it. Because that overhead shot, look at it, it's yellow. I mean, it's just aged. Um, you know, we bought the house because it matched. But uh, no, anyways, uh, one of the other pieces that we've recognized, we want to be a good steward over the property that God's blessed us with. And the exterior of our property is a substance called ethos, okay? And it just doesn't hold up really well to our Wisconsin winters. And um, when they originally did that, you know, uh, 15 years ago or so, it's just not good uh, for what we want to do moving forward. So we want to actually do a refacing of the church, do some masonry, do some uh, nice updates. This is just a concept. This is not a final design, but it's certainly a, a work in progress of something that we wanted to show you because we want to let you know where we're at because you're here, so you're invested. This is us doing this together. This is not just the staff doing this. This is our church family praying about this. This is our church family putting effort and resources into this. And so as we look at the exterior, we want to go to like a masonry or something that's going to hold up better. We also want to move the entry to the church down to where the first thing you see when you walk in the building would actually be the commons area. It's actually our most open and our biggest space. Right now, the entry point to the building is the, most, is the smallest space in the entire building. Literally, when you try to come in and check your kids in, when you try to come in, you'll, you, you may have to wait in line. You're like, I don't even have kids. Why am I waiting in line to get in the building? behind all these people checking in their kids, and there's mass congestion there. So we want to open it up, and we want to open up the space. And so this gives us opportunity to do that uh, by refacing the building. And this is some things that we just have in the works. And I just wanted to catch you guys up and uh, let you know. So this is just that first concept and all that stuff. And another thing that we've talked about 
is we've talked about uh, putting a kid's wing on the south end of the building as well to expand our ministry to our children. And so this entire wing would be dedicated to kids. And so that's just the initial phase uh, of the plan right now as, as it stands. We, we don't have our final numbers and we don't have the final timeline, all that stuff. But when we get all of that put together, uh, the staff and the board are both working together on that. When we get all those plans put together and we're ready to roll out an official plan with official phases in it, we'll let you know, okay? I'll keep you guys in the loop when I know something and when we, when we finalize all that, I'll let you know as well. I'm telling you all these things and showing you all these things to tell you we need to make room to reach more people for Christ. Amen? Uh, we're already seeing God doing some special things here. We know that 818 people came here on Easter, and we know that on a regular weekend, 818 people cannot fit in here, so we're announcing a new service that we're launching uh, in uh, August. On the 19th of August, we're adding a Monday night service, and that is 16 weeks from today. That's four months from this Sunday, exactly. And here's the goal with that. With adding a Monday night service, it will be our official third service, so it will be a repeated service of what we do here on Sunday. We want to reach those that no one is reaching. And to reach those that no one is reaching, we're going to have to do things that no one else is doing. And so you may be like, I've never heard of anyone doing anything like this before. Well, now you have. <laughs> Welcome to the party. And let me tell you something, you guys. We're going to reach new people with this service. This is not just to reshuffle and reshift. This isn't just to try to attract more people from other churches. I'm not into that. I'm not interested in that. I want to reach people that don't yet know Christ. I want to reach people who have not found their hope in Christ, who yet they, they may work in the hospitality industry on Sunday. Because think about it. When you leave and you go out to eat after Sunday service at church, that person that had to cook for you and that person that had to to wait the table for you they couldn't have come to church even if you would have invited them that's their livelihood on that Sunday so we're wanting to give them an alternative to be able to come think about um, the people that work in the hospitality industry here in our area we have a lot of different things happening through Kohler company through uh, the golf courses all that stuff uh, you, you couldn't invite your caddy to church because obviously your caddy would probably be working on Sunday during this time of year but now you can. Now you, you, you could be there and instead of them saying, oh, I work on Sundays, you're like, well, hey, why don't you come with me to Monday night service? I would love for you to come and sit with me. It just gives you another opportunity to uh, evangelize and to share the good news of what God is doing here at Word of Grace and invite them to come and be a part on a Monday night. It also gives families who wrestle with this, what do I do? I, I've got my kids involved in this thing, and, and I know I, I either have to tell them no to this and say no to our family or say no to church. What do I do? How do I choose? And that's just a constant wrestle. Well, this gives you another alternative to be able to say yes to being present in the building with your church family, to make those valuable relational connections, to be connected with other believers and to worship together and to celebrate the good news of what God is doing together. So it just gives us a lot more options here. And you know, there's some people, they got the cabins up north there once and they go up there to the cabins, but they got to come back to work on Monday, guy. And so when they come back to work on Monday, they'll be here Monday night, yeah. And so we can have them go over there to the service. So... If you got a cabin up north once, I'm talking to you. Let's keep her moving, okay. All right. So with that being 16 weeks from today, I have an ask that I want to make. If you're already serving here at Word of Grace and you're involved on Sunday and that's where you feel called to be, I'm, I'm not really asking you. I'm talking to those of you who aren't yet connected. 
those of you who aren't involved, or those of you who maybe have caught the vision and you want to go to Monday night service, um, we want to staff this with people who want to join Team WOG, which is our volunteer structure. We want to staff this with volunteers and team members on Team WOG that you know you've been sitting on the sidelines and it's time for you to get in the game. It's time for you to get involved. Um, and if you're one of those people who is a high capacity volunteer, you've been serving multiple times, but you still believe in this Monday night service, then maybe you, you help get it going. Maybe you can make a three or six month commitment to help get this thing off the ground. But I don't want to overtax uh, those who are already high capacity un unless you have a passion for it and you just feel called to it. I, I would love to give you that op opportunity to serve. But we want to staff this with people who, uh, who have a passion for this, who believe in this. And I'm talking to those of you that are still sitting on the sidelines as well, that you've been waiting on the, an opportunity, or maybe you've just been sitting and you just needed somebody to kind of spur you on to do something. This is your opportunity to be able to reach more people for Christ, okay? Um, we're not asking for folks just to make this all about us. I want us to launch with this idea of, yes, we're going to serve in a service and we're going to attend a service because now you're going to have three options. So you can serve one and you can attend one and you can be a part of what God is doing to reach more people for the kingdom. And how can you let us know about uh, the fact that you're interested in being a part of this and making it happen? Well, we have a sign-up sheet out at Team Wall, get the hub. So you can go out there. There's a big banner sitting out there right next to guest services. And I want you, as soon as this service is over, to go sign up and let me know just that you're interested and we'll figure out where you fit and we'll figure all that out between now and then, okay? I just need to know who's interested in serving, who's interested in helping make this happen, who feels called to that. Um, because this is our responsibility, church, to make room for more people. This is, this is our calling because somebody made room for you. Somebody uh, stepped up and willingly inconvenienced themselves so that you could be sitting where you're sitting. Someone did the things that you get to experience here every week and now it's your turn. It's our turn together to be able to reach more people for Christ, to make room, to trust God, to do bigger things by us saying yes right now. What can we say yes to? What are the things that God is putting in front of you that it's time for you to say yes to? We're going to talk about that a little bit more in the service today, but I also just want you to know, I want you to sign up if this is you, and I want us to do this together. So here in this local church body, God is doing some big things and he's asking us to say yes to trusting him for bigger things. He's asking us to say yes to making room. This is going to be a process of communication to our church family. And I promise you I'm going to communicate with you every step of the way. As far as the physical changes that we're going to make to the church, um, you know, my goal and my, my hope, uh, depending on uh, what God wants to do in his timing, uh, would be for us to do this. Uh, in a period of three to five years to have all of those different construction projects done. But we are going to start uh, breaking ground uh, very soon and um, making some changes uh, to the facilities. And then we're going to be making room by uh, adding the third service. And we're going to have a new worship person come. There's a lot of good things happening, you guys. And it's just very exciting to be a part. So what's God asking you to do? What's your part? Because we truly are better together than any one of us is by ourselves. Amen? And so let's do this together. So why don't we go to the Lord in prayer before we get into the message, and uh, let's just bring these things to the Lord. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity. Lord, this is truly an opportunity to serve you in a great way. And you're challenging us, and um, you're asking us to trust you. And so, Lord, we just submit to your will and your way above any plan that any man could come up with, any plan that any human mind could conceive. We know that you are bigger than that, 
we know that you are wiser than us, and so we put this in your hands. And we say, God, lead us and guide us every step of the way. Lead us and guide us with the jail ministry, the nursing home outreach, helping hurting churches, planting new churches eventually. Lead us and guide us, Father, we ask you, as it comes to selecting a new worship pastor, as it comes to construction phases and how we steward finances and resources and property, give us wisdom, Lord, we need it. And we're asking you to also move on hearts of people, to stir them up, to get plugged in, to say yes now, to get connected, to see more people impacted for eternity's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Kicking off a brand new series this morning called Radical. Because I believe that for us to be the people God has called us to be, it's not a comfortable, convenient call that he has called us to. There's a book by a man named David Platt um, and it's the same name as this series, and although we're not preaching from this book and we're not pulling direct inspiration from the book, uh, I will recommend the book as a resource. So if you are interested in taking a further reading into something that is going to challenge you really, really deeply, uh, go buy David Platt's book, Radical, and I guarantee you, uh, you'll be like, Pastor, why did you recommend that? <laughs> because it's going to challenge you in a very real deep way. So I would recommend you go pick that up. It's a very challenging read. And the question I want to ask you today is, do we really believe that Jesus is worth losing everything for? Do we really believe Jesus is worth losing everything for? At the beginning of the year, we said we wanted to grow more serious in our faith. And if we're going to grow more serious in our faith, we have to regularly ask ourselves these types of questions. Because we can get very complacent. We can get um, on cruise control. Is Jesus really worth losing everything for? Have we found such value in Christ that everything else has become secondary? Have we found that type of value in Jesus? And I know we want to give the Sunday school answer and say, oh yes, yes, Jesus, the Bible, that's my answer. See, you know. But if we take a, a deep dive and a real look at ourselves and our heart, the Holy Spirit brings to light our motive. Do we really believe Jesus is worth losing everything for? Have we found such value in Christ that everything else has become secondary? Go over to Luke chapter 9. Jesus has this interaction with three people in Luke chapter 9. We're going to read verse 57. So as you're turning there, I'll kind of set up this scene. Luke writes about Jesus interacting with three individuals who want to follow him. There's this statement that they make, I'm going to follow you, I want to be with you Jesus, I want, to, I want to go wherever you go, I believe in what you're doing, I believe in who you are, I believe your words, I want to follow you. And Jesus comes back to all three of these individuals as either they commit to following him or as he asks them to come and follow him. There's three different interactions that he has during this progression that Luke writes about. And I want us to look at this today. Luke 9 and verse 57, as they were going on the road, someone said to him, him being Jesus, this person says, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Wow. 
right? I'll follow you wherever you go. We've said things like that, haven't we? Oh, Jesus, I'll follow you. I'll say yes to you. We sing songs where we're saying yes to Jesus. We'll follow you wherever you, you want us to go. And you would think if somebody was that enthusiastic about their commitment, that Jesus would have been like, "Woo! high five, yeah, you are in, let's go right now, Woohoo! man, I got a follower, I got somebody who is excited, I got somebody who wants to come with me and do some cool stuff, let's go, Woohoo! follow me. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus instead says, after this person comes up to him and says, I'll follow you wherever you go, he said, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests. He said, but I don't have anywhere to lay my head. And we don't know what happens after that. The scripture just kind of leaves it hanging. But he's challenging this person and he's exposing something in this person's heart. And then look at the next thing in verse 59. To another person, Jesus looks at them and he says, hey, you, follow me. So now it's not the person committing to follow Jesus. It's Jesus pointing to them saying, you, follow me. And you would think, whoa, Jesus himself, just like he called the 12 disciples, he looked in my eyes, stared into my soul, and says these words to me, follow me. You would think there, we would be so overwhelmed to hear those words that we would be like, you got it, let's go. But that's not what happened. He said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus, being a reasonable person, said, oh, yeah, sorry, I didn't know about that. I didn't know you were dealing with that. Why don't you go take care of all that? Meet me back here next week. Say, can you do 2.30? Oh, no, you have, oh, uh, let, let's, let's just, you know, tell me when you can meet back up. No, uh, that wasn't Jesus' response. Jesus said in verse 60, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. What? That sounds kind of harsh, man. That sounds cold. And then another one, verse 61, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those who are at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Oh, come on, Jesus. You see, following Jesus requires not only believing Jesus, but following Jesus requires obeying him as well. It requires belief and obedience. And these people wanted to follow Jesus, and they were all jazzed about this deal, and they were all pumped and excited, but they weren't too excited, I can imagine, by Jesus' response to their commitment or his command. Because Jesus was exposing something in every one of these people, just like he did in his interaction with the rich young ruler. He was exposing his intent. And I believe Jesus was doing the same thing in this instance here where he's exposing the heart issue, the core issue of these people to help them to see their real motive in what they're actually saying and the fact that Jesus says, you're, you're really not following me like you think you are. The first one, Jesus calls into question this person's desire for comfort because he says, hey, I'm not staying in the Hilton, right? He says, I'm not staying in some swanky hotel. He's like, hey, man, come be a part of my ministry. Like, it's Jesus GQ all the way. Like, we're going to dress awesome. 
we're going to like have like these sweet hotels. We get the best camels. We ride them through town. I mean, it's just going to be so awesome. We got like the legit sandals, you know. I mean, like this is going to be super comfortable. You want to follow me? It is going to be like celebrity status 24-7. No, Jesus challenges this guy's comfort. but He says, oh, you want to follow me, huh? Well, I don't know where I'm sleeping tonight. You want to come? What do you mean you don't know where you're sleeping? You're Jesus. There's like thousands of people that follow you, surely. I mean, there's like some financial kickback. It's got to be, you know, I mean, come on. I don't want to like sleep on the ground or anything. I mean, I don't want to know where I'm not staying. <laughs> I mean, surely you've got like a 401k, you know, plan for following you. Or you've got, you know, some benefits, some perks. What, tell me what the deal is. Jesus is saying, no, your, your comfort is what's more important to you. And because your comfort's more important, I'm exposing that. I'm showing you that you really don't mean what you say. It's just empty words. Jesus was saying, listen, uh, it, it, it's not about you being comfortable. Then he was basically saying to this person, am I worth everything? Am I worth you being uncomfortable? In our lives, we do this, you guys. We, we do this thing where we think that if we achieve balance, like in everything, if we have just enough of everything, that that's the goal in life. And so we're like, I need just enough money. I need just enough time with the spouse. I need just enough time with my kids. I need just enough time to focus on my work. I need just enough time to focus on me. Need some me time. And I need just enough time to focus on Jesus and God. You know, Sunday I do my thing, you know, and I have just enough. And if I have just enough of everything, then I feel like I'm in like this Zen place of like balance. I have achieved balance in my life by having just enough of everything. And Jesus is trying to show us here, this is not how I operate. I don't operate off of the fact that you're comfortable and you feel like everything in your life is just right and you have just enough of everything. Jesus is trying to say, I'm worth it all. I'm worth leaving everything. And you willingly and intentionally acknowledging and being aware of that following me is going to be uncomfortable. If you want to follow me, it's not going to be a comfortable journey. It's not going to be this guarantee of everything always working out to your comfort and to your advantage. There will be things that will be required of you in following Christ that are going to make you very uncomfortable. And there will be things in our life that he is calling you to that you have to make a decision. Am I going to follow Jesus or am I going to choose comfort over following him? And we have to face this all the time when God calls us and is leading us and when he speaks to us either by his spirit or through his word where something stirred in us and we see things that move us that we need to say yes to or that we say need to say no to and Jesus is saying yeah it's going to make you uncomfortable because following Christ is very uncomfortable because it challenges our flesh it doesn't make us super cozy and having the right amount of everything and he challenged this guy with comfort and, and I'll tell you guys my wife and I have been in this place lately that God keeps bringing us back to and um, he keeps bringing us back to this place where we're being faced with certain decisions that he keeps confronting us with things that we can rationalize away Things that we can explain away and go, oh, I'm just excited, just in the moment. You know, I was just in the right environment, just heard the right people say the right thing, or I read this book and got all stirred up. 
But then I'll hear someone preach on something and it's the same message. Or I'll read something in a book or a conversation my spouse and I will have and that will come right back. And it's like God's not letting us get away from this thing that he's wanting us to do. And he keeps bringing it back in front of us and we're like, yeah, well, maybe when the kids get older, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe another time when, when you know, but right now, we're, we're just going to be comfortable. And, and I told my wife, I said, my fear is, is that by us holding on to certain things that God is wanting us to let go of, that we are modeling for our children that we are choosing comfort over the calling that he's putting in front of us. Because we always you know, seem to delay some of the things that we feel like God's putting on our heart to do because, you know, it's just not comfortable. Well, I don't want to be uncomfortable right now. Oh, you know, or I only want to say yes to God when it's comfortable to say yes to God. You know, when, when we have enough money to say yes to God, when we have enough spare time, when we have enough, you know, resources, when I have the right relationships, when I have the right this or that, and I live in the right neighborhood, I can't right now, you know, it'd be too uncomfortable to do that. That'd stretch me too much to say yes now. I want to wait till, you know, it's, it's obvious that I can say yes and I have plenty of margin. But yet God is calling you in the middle of your own security to step out and say yes. The second person wanted to go and bury family member who had passed and in that day the uh the thing that they would do in jewish burials during that period is that the body would stay in a tomb and that body would decompose for about a year and then the family would go in and collect the bones from that body remove the bones from the tomb so it wasn't like the body just always stayed in there they would take the bones out put it in this special box they would have this ceremony and actually go out and do a a burial in the ground and so it was a process they would just let the bodies naturally decompose. And so this person that Jesus looked at them and said, hey, come follow me. They said, well, you know, my dead relative, you know, they're, they've been dead for a while. You know, I mean, let me bury my father and my mother. I mean, they've been, you know, decomposing for a while. It's time to do the bone thing. You know, we're gonna, we get the box picked out and everything. I mean, and Jesus said, let the dead go bury the dead. He said, what are you doing? What's more important? The Son of God, the Savior of the world, Christ himself in the flesh is sitting here looking at you saying, come follow me. And you're saying, well, give me some time. Let me do it, you know, when it's convenient. And so the first person, Jesus addressed his comfort. The second person, Jesus addresses the fact that this is just not a convenient time because we're kind of going through a thing right now. How many times has God ever put something on your heart and you're like, God, I'm kind of doing this thing right now. This is a really busy time in my life, God. Like we feel that we have to inform God that, you know, this is kind of inconvenient. But God asks us to follow him in the middle of sometimes what can seem like a rough period in our life or something that may be stressful. And he's, God, you want me to do what? It doesn't make sense for me to do that now. That's super inconvenient. Let me get everything fixed. Let me get everything set in place. Let me get all my ducks in a row. Then I'll be more than happy to say yes to you. But right now, it's just not really a good time. And he said, let the dead bury the dead. You're putting this thing in front of me. You're saying this is more important than me. You see, we want to believe Jesus, and we want to trust that his words are truth. We just don't want to obey him because we want to be comfortable. We want God to work on our, our, our time frame. We want it to be convenient. And then this other person, this person also approaches Jesus and said, hey, I'm going to follow you. And Jesus 
said, okay, whatever, come on, let's go. He says, oh, but first, but first, isn't this great? In this, in this, we never do this. This is going to help somebody maybe watching, you know, years down the road online. Um, no, we all do this. This person put pre-existing conditions to Jesus on what he was going to do first before he would be willing to say yes. He's like, I want to say yes to you, I want to follow you, but first let me go do these other things. In other words, we want God to operate and move on our conditions. We want God to do things according to our plan. And God's like, that's not following me. If you really want to follow Jesus, it is a radical commitment because you are following someone who is worth losing everything for. And if you believe that, then we need to not only believe in Christ, but we need to be willing to obey Christ. Because the same calling that he made to those three people is the same call I believe that he makes to you and I. The same call that he still stirs in every one of us and every person that says, yes, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to live for Jesus. I want to serve you. I want to do something great for you. But, you know, I mean, like, you know, in a couple years. You know, I mean, like when, when I get fully funded, when it all works out, you know, when, when the kids graduate, that's when I'm really, Jesus, you just wait. I'm going to serve you so good after my kids graduate. Whoo, I am going to serve. Jesus, when I get married, when I get married, you know I'm going to like serve you. Man, I'm going to serve you. Jesus, when, when, when I get all my finances fixed and I get all this stuff, that, I'm really going to serve you. But it's just really stressful right now. And I got to, you know, I'm doing this thing. And we sound just like these three people. I'm really busy right now. You know, I'm having to work all this overtime and all this stuff. I know this thing's in my heart to do that you want me to do and to follow you. But, but, you know, when this season is over, it's just a really busy season. But when it's over, whoo, you are going to love the way I'm going to serve you. You're going to love the way I follow you, Jesus, after all these things kind of get fixed in my life. And Jesus is like, what are you talking about? If you're putting your hand to the plow and then you turn back and then you say, oh, I'll get back to that plow later, he's saying, you don't get it. In other words, you haven't prioritized the value and you haven't seen the value that is in Jesus, because it's not leading you to a place of obedience and submission and trust and faith, you're trying to make God operate on your schedule, on your timetable, according to your convenience and your comfort. And we do this all of the time. Following Jesus requires us to obey his words and his invitation. But the cost was too great for these people, and he's exposing their hearts. And here's the thing, Jesus didn't water down his message in order to onboard more followers. He didn't say, oh, you can't do that right now? Oh, my bad, my bad, that was on me, that was me. Okay, I'll tell you what, you tell me when we're going to do this, I'm totally cool with that. Because I have no idea what's happening in your life, I didn't know you before you were formed in your mother's womb, I forgot, <laughs> you know, oh wait, I did. <laughs> I knew exactly where you were going to be when I asked you to do this thing. I knew exactly the circumstances that would be surrounding it. You don't have to inform God of your circumstances. He knows right where you're at. And he cares about you right where you're at. And he knows exactly what's going on. And here's the best part. He knows exactly what you need. He knows better than you know. So why aren't we trying to like act like we're God's advisor 
well, God, you know, this is really inconvenient. He's like, absolutely, I know, it's going to be great, isn't it? Or we do this thing where we go, God, I'm not ready. How many times have we said that? God, I'm not ready. God's like, perfect, you're the exact candidate I need because God loves choosing people that aren't ready. Because he's like, because you're not ready, guess what? Everybody knows you're not ready. And when I put you in that place of position, then they see, oh, they're not ready. And everybody's going to talk about how you're not ready. And it's going to be awesome because you're so not ready. But I want you to be obedient because you're not ready. I can show how awesome I am because everybody knew you weren't ready. And when you say yes, it's not, look, I was ready. It's, wow, God used that goofball. Wow, God used someone like that? They totally weren't ready. That had to be God. God loves showing off that way. We don't get it. We don't value things that way, but that's how God values things. You can look all throughout Scripture. Can anything good from Nazareth? That's what people used to say to criticize Jesus. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Well, the Son of God did. Oh, you know, what about David? The, the great King David, his own dad didn't think he was worth bringing to the party of the anointing oil. Samuel, the prophet, is going to anoint the next king. He looks at all these brothers. He looks at, he looks at all their, the, these guys, and God says, nope, not him, not him, not him, not him. And then he looks at the dad, and he says, hey, you got any more kids? Yeah, I got this one kid, but like he's not ready. He's watching sheep out in the field. And he says, well, why don't you go call him? And God's like, that's the one. Boom, oil. Next king. Why? Because God said, not ready, but you're the one I want. Moses. I can't talk good, God. I got a sister. I got a sister. I, got, I, got, I, I, I can't talk real well. Yeah, I know. Isn't that cool? I'm going to do some really cool stuff. Everybody hates me, right? They totally do. You killed an Egyptian. They want your head, man. All of, all of the fellow Hebrews, his people, had to work harder because of Moses' uh, transgression. They really don't like you. I know that's why I've been hiding. God's like, yes, it's going to be great. You're the guy. Saul of Tarsus, going out hunting Christians. God's like, I need somebody to write two-thirds of this New Testament that I want to give to my church. The, perfect. Perfect candidate. You see God's value system? Are you picking up on something? Jesus went and chose disciples. Who did he pick? Did he go to the seminary and pick the superstar? No, he said, oh, tax collector, someone who's actually collecting taxes on behalf of the Roman government against his own people and charging a surcharge to line his own pockets. Yeah, come follow me. I'm going to let you write a book of my Bible. Come on, Matthew. That doesn't make sense. Fishermen? It's not about your conditions. It's not about you having to inform God of what you can't do and all of your restrictions and all your limitations. It's not about you telling God, but everybody knows my past. Yeah, they do, Saul of Tarsus. I'm going to give you a new name, Paul, and I'm going to put you on a new path to do some great things for my kingdom. Yeah, I know. I know your past. I know your story, and God loves taking your story that you thought was impossible and doing something for his glory but you got to be willing to say yes. Because God's not interested in your excuses. 
Jesus wasn't interested in those three people's excuses. He didn't want to negotiate with them. He didn't want to barter with them. That wasn't what God was into in those moments of beckoning people to come and follow. He was looking for someone who would make a radical commitment, who would see the value in Jesus and the value in following him, and that that value would outweigh every other previous existing thing that was going on in their lives, no matter how important they tried to tell Jesus it was. He was trying to tell them, nothing's more important than following me, because you don't get it. If you're willing to have your hand to the plow, and you've already started something, and then you walk away to go do something else, you don't, you don't see this as valuable. And so we need to ask ourselves, are we catering to ourselves, or are we abandoning ourselves? We know what we're doing, though. We don't have to pretend with each other when we ask this question, are we catering to ourselves or are we abandoning ourselves? We know what we're doing. What are we doing? We're catering to ourselves, every one of us, because we want to be comfortable. We want things that are convenient, and we, we want things on our conditions because when we don't get those things in our life, we get upset. I don't know about you, but, man, my family, when we go to, like, a theme park or something, we go to Six Flags or Disney World, it's hot, right? You ever been to Florida, Disney? Man, it's hot. I get, like, really edgy when I'm hot, okay? Like, temperature-wise. And my wife's all like, here, honey, hold my hands. We walk through Disney, I'm just like, oh, slime and sweat. And I'm like, I don't want to hold your hand. I want to look for shade. Aren't you on the happy, you're the happiest place on earth? I know. I've been standing in line for four hours to meet Elsa. <laughs> and it's hot. And I get a little edgy. And it's not really even her. Surprise. <laughs> You're not really Mickey Mouse. But I stayed in the hot to meet you. I get edgy. Why? Because I'm uncomfortable. I've been standing. What do you do when you, if you work a job where you stand up all day, you go home? What do you do? I want to sit down. Why? I've been standing all day. <laughs> well, will you get up and get that thing for me out of the fridge? Get it yourself. I've been standing all day. <laughs> I'm edgy because I'm uncomfortable. What about convenience? Oh, man, when things are inconvenient, whoo, you better watch out. Man, when some of you get inconvenienced, Somebody comes knocking on your door, you was just about to leave. You was right in the middle of a wonderful text message to somebody, and somebody called you. And you were like, doo, 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 doo. oh, come on. <laughs> we get so upset when we're inconvenienced. I was right in the middle of a text. No, I don't need insurance. I don't even know anyone from New York. And then what about our, 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 our conditions? Oh, what about when our conditions don't get met? Someone won't accommodate us. We get upset. Why? Because we want to cater to ourselves. We don't want to abandon ourselves because that's too rough on our flesh. We want the flesh to feel good. So what we do is we look for balance in making my flesh happy and doing just enough to feel like we've made God happy too. Oh, yeah, I just want to do just enough. I'm, right? You see me? Hear God today? Check in the box, right? showed up. I did that thing you wanted me to do, but just enough to be able to also hold on to all this other. God's been calling my wife and I to do some things that, man, 
I told her, I said, I said, I keep getting brought back to this place and I'm recognizing something. And some of you who have older children than what I have, I have a 13-year-old about to be 14 and uh, twin 12-year-old girls. And I go, wow, four years, my son is going to be graduating high school. What's four years? Wow. Four years ago feels like yesterday. And I think my, my girls, five years. And they're going to be graduating high school, possibly leaving the house in just that amount of time. They're still little kids. They're still playing with dolls and, and video games and riding their bicycles. And just in that short amount of time, that much change is going to happen? And I think about that, and I think all the things that I feel like God's put on my heart, my wife's heart for us to do and be involved in, and the things that he's wanting us to, to do, I, I ask myself, and I go, well, you know, when we're in this financial shape, then we'll be able to do this thing. Well what are you giving up to put yourself in that position? Oh, man. That, I don't like that question. I like my comfort. I like my stuff. I like, I like these things. Well, God's saying, yeah, but what do you want to invest in them? What do you want to do for my kingdom? So we've been wrestling, man. It's hard. I don't like it. I'm not your pastor going, I've got it all figured out. I do everything perfectly. Of course, Lord, I will follow with thee wherever thine wants me to goeth. It's not how it works. I wrestle just like you wrestle. And here's the danger, and this is a challenge of being a pastor, is that my job is serving you all, loving on you, helping you through challenges, teaching you scripture. So I'm in the Bible, and I'm meeting with people and doing kingdom work. But then when I go home, I can do my Mr. Rogers thing. And when I do my Mr. Rogers thing, I can be home. And I don't, and I don't want to be Pastor Derek. But I realize, is Christian Derek more important than Pastor Derek? Because I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ, am I not? Hmm. So it's not just about the things I do in my role as a pastor. Man, I thought that I could get off the hook with that one. No, God's still like, you're still a follower of Jesus, so there's still a cost for you too. And you can't just go, but look at all the good things I did today. Yeah, you did do a lot of good things today, but you're still a Christian. You're still a follower of Jesus. And just being a pastor doesn't give you a pass. Thanks, God. I appreciate that. It's challenging. Because we need to move our hearts from self-indulging to self-denial. Matthew 10 and 38 says, Whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Are you hearing the words of Jesus? Whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He's talking to me. He's talking to you. What's God challenging you with, man? Because following Jesus is a radical call. But he is worth losing everything for. All in. Not one foot in and one foot out. Not trying to achieve balance and, and trying to have just enough Jesus in my life. No. This is a radical call that he's calling you and I to. In Matthew 13 and verse 44, Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found covered up and then in his joy goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. That's a little strange, isn't it? That would make some heads turn. That would make some people go, what are you doing? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, because someone just made a radical move because they found value in the kingdom of heaven. They found value in the things that Jesus says. 
and in the things that he wants us to be about. And he said, I'm willing to sell everything I have, and I'm willing to, to buy this field because I found this treasure in the field. I don't want, I don't want to steal it. I want to buy the field because the treasure's in the field. And I'll get rid of everything else because this is so valuable. He is worth losing everything for. We search for balance in life, but following Jesus is an extreme radical calling. And he's the only one worth losing everything for. And if I spend my life seeking comfort, convenience, and conditions, am I really following Jesus? Am I really obeying him? Because, yeah, I can say I believe in Jesus, but that's great. Praise God for that. I'm so glad you believe Jesus. I'm so glad you believe that he exists. He died on the cross for you. But are you obeying him? That's a completely different conversation. It's one thing to believe, but it's another thing to obey, to say, yes, Lord, I'll follow you because you're worth everything. And he's calling us. He's calling us to say yes to his call. And listen, we need to say yes now. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next year. We need to say yes now. And I want to ask you this question. What is God calling you to say yes to now? Church, I never want to insult God with small thinking and safe living because he's calling you and me and our church to say yes now to the things that he has been prompting in your heart for you to say yes to. Some of you, he's been saying things to your heart for some time now to where you felt a prompting from God and you've reasoned it away. Oh, I was just in the moment. I was just around a bunch of other people that were getting excited. I just got caught up in the hype. But listen, if this thing keeps coming up, because that's what my wife and I said during different things that God was requiring of us, we would say, oh, we just got caught up in the moment. It was really exciting. It was really exciting to be in that environment or around those people or I heard that message or I read that book and man, it just really stirred me up. But you know, it was, I was just in that moment. But then that same thing comes back up. Have you ever had that happen? That same thing and you're reminded of that time before when you were stirred. And then something else happens because you kind of let it go again. Something else happens and, and all of a sudden God brings it up to you again and you're like, this thing isn't going away. It wasn't just a one-time hype thing. It wasn't just a one-time in the moment thing. This is God stirring something in me or I'm passionate about something's calling me to move yeah and you say things like I'll do it when this gets taken care of I'll do it when I'm in this position or I'll do it under these circumstances but I can't right now oh it'd be great to say yes now but I'm too busy I'd love to say yes now but the cost is too great I'd love to say yes now but you know I got these other things I got to take care of first and we're just like those people that Jesus interacted with the cost of following Jesus is one worth losing everything for. So I want to challenge you today to deny yourself, to step out of convenience, out of comfort, out of your pre-existing conditions and say yes to what God is compelling you to do, to step out of what is comfortable and easy and into a radical life following Jesus with radical abandonment. Is it convenient? No. <laughs> I guarantee you it won't be convenient. Are there things that will try to get in the way and distract you? Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Even good things. But Jesus is someone worth losing everything for. To step out of what's comfortable and easy and say yes to impacting eternity.
and living in light of eternity. For some of you, that means that God is requiring your time. You know the 24 hours that you thought were yours. It will be inconvenient. He's pulling on your heart to release control of your time and to see that you belong to him and see that Jesus is worth your time, that impacting lives through serving others and following Jesus and not just spending time for yourself and doing things for yourself. Yeah, but what about myself? Deny yourself. Take up your cross. The cross isn't just a burden for you to carry. The cross is for something to die on. What's going to die on the cross? My will, my convenience, my opinion. God, what do you want, not what do I want? It's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. Are you hearing me this morning? And for some of you, that means you're going to have to rearrange some things in your life. Because in order to put yourself in a position to say yes to something that God is calling you to do, that means you're going to have to say no to something else. What is God calling you to say no to? What is God calling you to say yes to? He may be requiring your time. For others of you, God is pulling on your gifts and your abilities that you don't think are good enough. And you've been making excuses to why you're sitting on your gifts that he's given you. People have told you over and over again that you need to be using your gift for the church or for some sort of outreach or something in your neighborhood or to do something at work and to spread the gospel and to reach other people. And you go, yeah, 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 thanks for acknowledging that, but I just don't feel like I'm ready. I don't feel like it's good enough. But everybody tells you that you've got this gift. People have affirmed that and confirmed that in your life. And they keep wondering, why are you not doing something with that? Man, it's a shame that person isn't doing something with that. Why aren't they doing something with that to impact eternity, man? They, they could be so impactful and effective. They just don't feel like they're ready. It's just, you know, it'd be too uncomfortable. It'd be too inconvenient. And Jesus isn't interested in our convenience. For some of you, it's your resources that have your heart. Not only finances, but your house, your cars, your belongings that make you feel comfortable. These things have become idols. And God is showing you these things today that you need to use those things to impact eternity. And yeah, it means you'll be more uncomfortable, but these resources are not for your comfort. These resources are to put you in a position to impact eternity. So my question is, what is God requiring of you today? What can you do today to say yes to what he's calling you to do, for, to, to the radical calling that he's calling you to? Because radical living is what following Jesus is all about. It gives us a greater purpose for our lives than our comfort, our convenience, and our schedules and conditions. So I want us to pray before we go today. And I want us to ask God, what are you asking me to say yes now to today? So let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to go through your word. Help us to know what you're calling us to say no to and what you're calling us to say yes to. Let us be led and guided and directed by your Holy Spirit. Let us crucify that flesh daily and say yes now to what you're calling us to do so that we can live our lives committed to a cause greater than ourselves. We love you, Lord, and we want to follow you. Help us to see the value in Christ alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand this morning?